There's something powerful about looking at a situation that other people don't see potential, don't see any way anything's going to grow there, and you buy that business and make something bloom where there once was only desert, and other people couldn't see the potential. There's other times, like the sting in that song is saying, I'm going through a time of pain, a time of desert. I'm longing for some rain. I'm longing for some gardens to grow here in the midst of the circumstance and the situation that I'm in. What does it look like for all of us to grow in the best way possible? And often we think, I think, the best way for me to grow is in the most comfortable place possible. Right? And if there is a God, if there is karma, it must know that the best thing for me is to make my life as easy as can be. But what we're going to find in this series is that life and God often creates the most unusual of circumstances to grow us into the best version of ourselves. And if God is a gardener, and if life is a greenhouse... It's interesting how many different types of environments. As you saw earlier from Crohn's Conservatory, there's a desert room in the greenhouse. There's an orchid room in the greenhouse. There's a waterfall in the greenhouse. It's like, well, I'll grow by the waterfall, please. But God grows an awful lot of things in the desert. In fact, to tell you the story about the desert, in this series, we're going to take you to Israel on a, on a guided tour several times during this series. And let me begin here. Join me as we head to Israel. But before we get to Israel, we're going to start God's story in Egypt. This is the Nile River. God's people have been in bondage for 400 years in Egypt. And the Egyptians are masters of producing gardens in the middle of desert. They take this Nile River and they direct it and turn it into an irrigation system that allows them to grow melons and cucumbers, to literally transform the world from sandy deserts, like you might think of when you think of Egypt, into incredible fertile soil where animals and hippos and people come to find life. Yet God will exit his people out of the bondage of the Nile River with all of its greenery and all of its beauty and say, I'm going to deliver you from that and I'm going to take you to a better place to help you grow. Across the desert to a place he's going to call the promised land. Like this is the best place for you to discover me. And this is where they come to train like this. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I think of the best place to grow, I don't think of rocky valleys. And these may look like rocks, and they may look like valleys, but they're actually called wadis. Israel's just filled with these gigantic, rocky terrain called wadis. A wadi is a dry riverbed, like a valley, so composed of rock that nothing grows there. Yet there's this almost alien beauty to it when you're walking through... A wadi, you notice, first of all, there's nothing green or hardly anything growing there. You also notice that there's a barrenness. You see, it rains, but only a couple times a year. And when that rain rains, typically up north, it comes funneling through these wadis like a channel. In fact, it's in these channels that many people's lives will be threatened. Because while it's sunny where you are, a hundred miles away, there's a rainstorm. It doesn't even look like a cloud in the sky where you're at in the desert. But that rainstorm hundreds of miles away is going to start to grow. 
As that rain comes down and begins to grow, it's going to turn into a little stream, grow into a creek, or a crick, depending on where you're from. And that's going to turn into a stream, which turns into a river. Now, meanwhile, there's not a cloud in the sky. You have no idea walking through that wadi that there's even danger coming. But it is. And eventually that water will grow and grow up north, and it will begin to pour itself down into the top side of the wadi, hundreds of miles from you. And now as that water comes jumping down into the actual wadi, there is a tidal wave coming your way. And that tidal wave coming your way is so vast that did you know that more people die from drowning every year in the desert from, from heat exhaustion? Because they don't know a tidal wave is headed toward them in the wadi because they don't even see the rain. When I was going through Israel, when these rains begin to come your way, there's a siren that goes off. Whoop, whoop, whoop. That means you have five minutes to climb up the side of the wadi and get out or you're going to be swept away by the floods. How does anything survive in a place like this? How does anything green grow in a place like this? Well, there's either no rain for months at a time or there's a flood that takes you out that lasts for a few minutes or a few hours at a time. How do you thrive in the desert? Well, this tree right here has learned the secrets. And this tree that sits in the middle of a wadi is called an acacia tree. And it's the secret to why God brought his people to Israel and how he can use an, you and I, whatever circumstance we're in, to create fortitude and strength for growth. So let me tell you, my wife and I got an opportunity to go to Israel twice in the last 10 years, and we're hiking through this incredible, unusual terrain, thinking this is where God brought people to grow them, to become the best version of themselves. As we were hiking along, I came to these really weird features. It almost feels like you're on another planet as you're walking through this incredible, difficult terrain. As we came around one section, we entered into a wadi. And I took this photograph of the wadi, and you'll notice some caves on the side. Some are natural caves, and some are actually dug by the local shepherds. The reason you dig a, a cave into the side of a wadi is because when that water comes rushing by a few months at a time, for a few hours at a time, you need to catch the water. And so these caves become little reservoirs for water to sustain you for the months to come. In contrast to the rushing water, or the living water, the Israelites would call it, that come rushing by, when you catch water to be used for the future, it's called still water. Maybe you've been at a funeral and you've heard someone quote Psalm 23. He leads me besides still water. That's still water. It's the ability to catch the water that only comes at a certain time to use those resources that are needed later on. Well, we were uh, walking through this wadi, and as we turned the corner, I saw for the first time in my life an acacia tree. And what immediately strikes you is that this tree is about the only thing green you've seen for the last couple hours. And you're looking around, you don't see the water supply, you don't see a reservoir, you don't see any way in which this thing is not only growing, but seemingly flourishing in the midst of this incredibly difficult terrain. You think, you know what, there's something about that tree I want in my life. I want to be able to thrive. 
I want to be able to blossom. I want to be able to not just wait until life gives me the comfortable environment, the waterfall environment. How can I do my best work regardless of the environment? I began to explore this idea of what does it look like for God to make you and I into an acacia tree? To have the inner fortitude, the inner strength, the deeper roots that we have the ability to thrive when it's raining and when it's a drought. When things are going well and when externally things don't look like they're going so well, how can you and I be that kind of an acacia tree? And what are the characteristics of that tree that it has that I might learn from? And I might understand better why I'm in a desert right now or why there's a drought right now in some area of my life or, or what I need to sustain myself to have a reservoir for future challenges. To do that, we're going to look at two aspects of that acacia tree. And the first one is that acacia trees, as unusual as they are, their real secret is deep roots. They just anchor deeply in. They have access to resources for enduring the tough terrain. I mean, when you look at, at the desert behind, you just think, man, I don't know that anything can endure that kind of difficult terrain. But these things do. Like, you know what, whether it's challenges that bring out your best or opportunities and no one else can see how you're going to grow something in that environment, the acacia tree knows it can't do it on its own. It's got to run its roots down and find resources deep under the water that will last it for months at a time. It is said that an acacia tree can go dormant for 10 to 50 years and come back to life because of its root system. And it's this tree that God alludes to through a prophet by the name of Jeremiah and he says, let me tell you the secret to life, the secret to enduring any circumstance. And he talks about the acacia tree. Here's what Jeremiah says. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, puts your confidence in God as your resource, whose hope is the Lord, that when it's dry, when it's barren, when you don't see the future, when you're facing the unknown, you can still have hope. Because your resources are tapped into something that's deeper and more sustainable than just what you can see on the outside. Than just what your outside circumstance offer. He says, if you want that kind of trust, and if you need that kind of hope, then guys, you're going to be like a tree. And the tree he's referencing here is this acacia tree we're looking at. You're going to be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river. When you see words like that, planted by the waters, spreads out its roots by the river, I think a beautiful oak tree down by the Ohio River, right? Beautiful tree, lots of water, lots of resources. I don't mind being that. Maybe not the Ohio, but maybe we'll go down to Lake Norris or Lake Cumberland, you know, someplace beautiful. However, you just think tree next to rivers of water. But that's not the metaphor here. It's a tree that anchors itself in a place that there's not a lot of water most of the time. That's why it has to spread out its roots so that when the river comes by, the few times it comes by, the few seasons it comes by, its roots are so intricately woven down in, it has hope, it has resources, and it has access to what it needs. It has its ability to regulate itself regardless of the environment. Why? Because it's got its roots in the Lord. The Lord here is the river, the tree is you and I. How deep are your soul's roots these days? Are you able to stay joyful and peaceful when things are good? But can you stay joyful and peaceful and forgiving and strong when things aren't ideal? That's the question. 
That's what it means to have deep roots. Because there's something all of us that wants to regulate our environment, right? I mean, as, as human beings, we have heaters in the winter, right, to regulate our environment. We have, we have air conditionings during the summer. We want to be able to endure in different environments than just the one that's around us. Now, I'm a water skier. I love water skiing and wakeboarding and surfing. It's one of my favorite things to do. So I've been trick, trick skiing and everything else since I was a kid. And I'm always trying to extend the season. Here in Ohio, like the season is, you know, maybe May, Memorial Day through maybe September. And so I was uh, working on my boat a couple of years ago, and I got a heater in my boat. Never had a boat with a heater. And all it does is take the scalding hot water that goes around the engine to cool it, comes out, and it runs it through this radiator, and then the wind blows at you, and you get a heater on your boat. Well, as I was doing some research, because mine was broken on how to fix it, I found a guy in Minneapolis. Minneapolis has like 30 days of water skiing weather. It's freezing up there. And he was talking about how he had learned how to extend the season by getting access to something beyond his own body heat. So he put on a wetsuit, right? So he added a couple weeks on each side. But he said even that wasn't enough because it's just so cold in Minneapolis. So he said what he does, he takes that hot scalding water coming off the engine and he taps a T-line into it. And he ran it back to the back of the boat. Then he took another cold water line coming out of the, the lake itself, and he ran a T-line to that, and he created a little faucet right at the back of the boat. So right before he gets in to ski, he opens up his wetsuit, turns the hot, turns the cold, gets it the exact temperature he wants, and fills up his wetsuit. If you've never worn a wetsuit, a wetsuit's fine, except you're still your own resource. The cold water goes in, and then your body warms it back up, and then you can begin to regulate it. But he realized he needed resources outside of himself. So he used the water in, the, in the, the lake heated by his engine to create that. So this year I tried it for the first time. I got my wetsuit out. I've gone skiing as early as April here in Ohio. Got on my wetsuit and I took a thermos of warm water. I'm, like, I'm going to try this thing. My wife's like, you are crazy. This is a terrible idea. And I took the thermos of warm water and dumped it into my wetsuit. And I went, okay. I jumped in the water. I was ready for like the worst possible feeling. I'm like, this isn't that bad. This isn't that bad. I got up and skied for the first time. And I went, wow, I'm skiing in April. Why? Wetsuit wasn't going to cover it. I needed a access to some source of heat outside of myself. That's what he's getting at here. When you have roots that go down deep, it's not just whether it's raining now. You're tapping into water when it rained three months ago, six months ago. When you run out of patience with your spouse, you have access to God's patience. When you run out of hope for like hoping for the best, you know God can work even through bad circumstances in your life. That's the idea he's got here. Let's go back to our tree. I got a chance recently to go to a place called Blue Springs State Park. Gorgeous trees. It's a state park right along what looks like a river, but it's not a river. It's actually a spring. This spring is 72 degrees all year long. Always 72. Doesn't matter. If it's hot outside, 72. If it's cold outside, it's warm at 72. And there are these gorgeous trees growing all along the side of the bank. But what's, what's most noticeable is that those trees near the water, rooted into the water, are a resource for a very unusual creature. If you look deep in the water, you'll see them. Do you see all the manatees? In fact, at the right time of year, 700 manatees will all travel from Jacksonville, Florida, 
down a little stream because they will feel the heat of this small little spring and they'll leave the ocean from the October to February months to come to this little section, not quite as long as between here and maybe our children's program, and they will come and 700 of them will fit in, a, in the water the size of this room because they're longing to have your body regulated by 72 degrees. And that's really warm during those winter months. And that tree by the river isn't just for its own sake. It becomes a resource for those giant manatees. You can just see them come up out of the water, look around, see the trees, and they take a big bite. In fact, at this park, they let you swim with them. I didn't know that. But I was in there, and they said you could swim with it. So I'm like, well, how often do you get a chance to swim with manatees? Took off my clothes, jumped in with my clothes on. I'm going to go swim with manatees. And I just got to see these manatees who are getting access to resources of this tree that was planted by the garden. See, sometimes I need roots for my own self, my own sustaining, my own greenery. Other times God might plant me, go through a desert time. Maybe you had to struggle with cancer and you're a cancer survivor. And that's so that you can be a resource of comfort and hope and strength to other people around you. That you found a fissure, you found a, 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 a deep well of warmth, of comfort, of strength, whatever desert you're in, so that you could be a resource for other people who are looking for and longing for hope and strength in their life. The acacia tree has deep roots. The other thing it has is it has green leaves. I mean, that's what's so striking. It's one thing that's just surviving in there, but it's green. It has green leaves, and it's got the courage to endure scorching conditions. It's not scared of whatever's coming in the future. Green leaves. Again, Jeremiah goes on to write about this. He goes, it's got these roots that go way down into this underground river that taps into. And also, it does not fear when the heat comes. Now, let's pause there for a second. Fearing when the heat comes. See, I don't like it when I face the unknown. And the heat is in the desert conditions of Israel. It can get up to 120 degrees during the day. These are scorching temperatures. And many times I'm just scared because my kids are making decisions that I don't necessarily like. And I, I, I'm wondering that our marriage was going through a summer season. It feels like it's going through a little fall season. And I begin to fear the conditions of the outside environment. But the acacia tree doesn't need to fear. It can be incredibly courageous because whatever it's facing, whatever uncertainty is around it, not only does it have those roots, but it says its leaves will be green. Why? Because it has a positive attitude? No, because the roots have access to a resource beyond itself, it allows it to produce green in a very barren brown land. And because of that, it doesn't have to be anxious. Anxiety comes often when we say, boy, facing the unknown makes me anxious. It makes me worried. But if I know that someone has access and someone has planted me here for good reason, and what feels like meaningless suffering, I can count on or trust on the God who made the universe to bring meaning out of what seems meaningless, I can be less anxious. I can be less fearful. I can say I don't prefer these conditions. I don't like this heat. I certainly don't like the drought he's about to mention, but I can have courage and strength that whatever comes my way, I can flourish even here, even in this environment. Look, you not be anxious in the year of the drought. drought. A year of drought, he mentioned? How are you going to survive a year of drought? Acacias can go dormant for years at a time and still produce greenery because their roots are tapping into something else. 
don't you want the kind of courage, don't you want to have the kind of access, the kind of perspective to know that I can still be green even in the winter. I can still be green even during the drought. I can still be green even when the heat comes pounding down in my life and my career. But not just you're green, not just you're alive, you're yielding fruit. Love's coming out of me. Forgiveness is coming out of me. Peace is flowing out of me. Affirmation is coming out of me. That's what I want. I want that kind of stuff coming out of me. And that's why God wants to make you and I into an acacia tree. So that you can have access to not only that resource, but you can be that resource for other people. God may have put you through a desert experience so that you can be that resource for other people. Let me go back to Israel for a second. Imagine you're a shepherd. You make your way through a wadi. As you make your way through the wadi, you see it coming up as an acacia tree, and you are delighted because you've been baked. And you know an acacia tree, number one, offers you shade. It's going to drop 15 degrees just sitting under that acacia tree. You're like, oh, thank goodness I found an acacia tree. The next thing about an acacia tree is it has some of the hardest wood of any particular tree in the ancient world. They carve and craft and design incredible works of art from acacia wood. In fact, at my house, I have two candlesticks, beautiful candlesticks made from acacia wood. I've got two mugs that I use often for taking communion at our equipping service, and they're made out of acacia wood. Gorgeous, hard, indestructible almost. But this acacia wood was used for very sacred objects in the Jewish community. One of those was the Ark of the Covenant. Not Ark like Noah's Ark, but like Raiders of the Lost Ark. They made that out of acacia wood. One, one block of acacia wood will burn for 24 hours. If you've never been in the desert, maybe the Badlands, I've been in the Badlands, it's 120 degrees during the day and 30 degrees at night. The sap that comes out of an acacia tree, you can use it to put on your wounds like a natural ointment. And it produces these pods, this food that's so unique that if you are hungry and if your animals are hungry, the pods from this tree, you can feed your camels and it will sustain them for three days. My wife and I are wandering through the, the desert together. And as we're wandering on this hike in Israel, all of a sudden some shepherds show up. Now, I don't know about you. When I think of shepherds, I think of bearded men because of all those Christmas musicals I've seen, right? Growing up for Christmas musicals, it's always a bearded man that's a shepherd come to see Jesus. But not true in the Middle East. It's almost always 10 to 12-year-old girls and their younger brothers. And we're walking out there in the middle of nowhere, miles and miles from anywhere, and here comes this little 10 to 12-year-old girl, the shepherd, bringing those camels to find acacia tree. Yeah, that acacia tree is an incredible source of life in the wilderness. Now, you might look at your life and say, listen, I'm not going through a wilderness. I'm on the top of my game. Things couldn't be more summer. Things couldn't be more luscious. Things couldn't be more greenhouse in my life. But maybe someone else in your life is going through a desert. And because of that, you're needing the resources to be a source to your wife's depression, your husband's midlife crisis, your kid's crisis of all the depression that came out of COVID. And though you don't necessarily need the resources for your circumstances, God has put you through some things so that you can be a resource for other people. And the longer we sat or hiked in 
Israel, the more you just are stunned by the barrenness of this land. Makes you think about certain times in your own life where it felt like a drought. Challenging times, difficult times. And yet the certain beauty that comes with it. And yet when you're in wilderness, you just would do anything to get out. But what, God, what if God is growing something in you so that you can be that source for a neighbor, for a coworker? That everyone looks so smiley on the outside, but maybe God's placed you to be that acacia tree to help them in their time of need. And maybe your roots need to go deeper so that you can have the resources needed to be a source of strength to a spouse or to a son or to a daughter or to a friend during this time. The acacia tree has two things. Number one, it has deep roots. Number two, it has green leaves. Let's go over those five things. What are the five things that acacia tree has? What were the five things that if you come across one, you're like, yes, we're going to be set for a little bit? Food. How many people in your life are just hungry for connection, hungry for appreciation, hungry for love? How many people just need just some food to sustain them a couple more days? Maybe literal food. Maybe you work with interparish ministries or done some more work back to back. Or maybe it's emotional food where they just feel like somebody needs to see them and encourage them and notice what they've done. How many people around us are wounded and you might be the source of salve for their wounds just by the words you speak or the ways you speak in their life? How many people the isolation of COVID has allowed them just to need some warmth? To know they have a friend, to know that someone is there, to know that they're not alone, to know that God can work in the midst of it. Maybe you're in Acacia Wood because you've got incredible skills as a leader. Your ability to work with numbers or work with people. And maybe God would say, I have put you in a place because your skills and your leadership or your hospitality, you can be a resource for someone. Bring somebody a cake because you're great at cooking, making them feel welcome. Somebody new to the neighbor who couldn't meet any friends because of, of all COVID, didn't allow them to meet anybody new when they moved in a year, 18 months ago. Maybe it's your leadership ability to come in and take a situation where everything feels falling apart and you rearrange it and reorganize it and put it back on track and you become that craftsmanship that puts things back together. Or maybe you could just be relief for somebody who's just been going through a hot desert time and you can be that source of comfort and relief for them. They can just sit, chat, and be heard for a little bit. See, the story of the acacia tree is the story of you and I. We need to find a source and we need to be a source. What does it look like for us to find a source of outside power in our life and to be a source? They did a study, it was called Biosphere 2, and they created the perfect environment this perfect environment, they found in this perfect environment that they created in this biosphere, the trees grew three or four times faster than a normal environment. They said, well, this is the secret to how we need to make life work. And as they got to their peak performance, the trees all toppled over. And they were dumbfounded by this. And they studied the chemicals, and they studied the, the ecosystem, they studied and studied and studied. They could not figure out why these trees that were growing so fast in all their potential were falling over. And they found out it's because there's no wind. The wind is needed. The stress of the wind that pushes a tree back and forth is needed for that tree to know how to get its roots deeper. And if it doesn't get its roots deeper, it will grow quicker, but it won't be able to sustain itself because it didn't get the roots deepened in to hold the ground. And God may have you in a time where maybe there's some winds going through and you're like, oh, this is a good God. Why is he let this going on in my life? Because he wants to grow you deeper to help you find a source of strength and stability in your life. So that you can be a source. Be a source to others. Jeremiah goes on, he says, guys, you can't be your own source. The heart can lie to you. It's, it's deceitful. 
Who can even know it? But God searches your heart. He'll tell you. He'll, he'll, he'll in- equip you. He'll encourage you. He searches the heart and tests the mind. You need an access to a source beyond yourself to be that strength, to be that patience, to be that hope so that you can be green in drought but also be a source for others. It's what we see ourselves as a church. I don't know if you've ever seen a top view of our church, but if you look down, we're kind of a tree along the river, the little Miami River right here. And our property butts up right to it. And we feel like the reason we start as a church is we want to help you comfortably connect to God through the Bible and the community of growing Christ followers. We have found a source that has sustained us during challenging times, offers us wisdom in difficult circumstances. We have found a God who can take bad stuff in your life and he can actually make roses grow out of deserts. He's done it over and over and over again. He, we think he can do it in your life because he's done it in our life. We want to be that tree that can grow you in your life. We want to be that resource for you and for your friends and for your family. In fact, this, this series we're doing, Greenhouse, we're doing it as adults and the children's program's doing it and the student program's doing it. We wrote this curriculum about three months ago. We've been working out together because we want all of us as families to talk about what does it mean to be an acacia tree to find a source and be a source. And we have found the specific source for us has been Jesus, who died in an old twisted tree. Like this tree in Israel, it's twisted with the sun behind it. They used it for the last temptation of Jesus film. I got a chance to stand right next to it. When you see Jesus pounded into this tree, you see that God's got access to something beyond human beings. I mean, literally, he's being crucified which you were held up in place as a humiliation. They would literally, like, the birds would come and peck your eyes out. You could do anything with it. That, the, the, the Romans designed it to humiliate you and to torture you. And Jesus, in the midst of this desert of all desert experiences, on a cross, being mocked, being tortured, and what comes out of him is green leaves. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Now that's supernatural forgiveness. What's he tapped into? Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. You think God's going to bring something good out of an old Roman cross? I don't think so. But look what history has shown. We now wear the sign of a torture device around our necks as a sign of hope. Shocking. But if God could do that in human history, and if God can grow acacia trees in deserts, then maybe for you and I, we can trust him. That whatever valley you're in, or your family is in, or challenges you're facing, or your family's facing, what if you were to say, God, I'm going to have courage that you can bring beautiful things out of whatever circumstances are before me. Let me pray for us. Father, I ask that you would give hope to each person here. That if they're filled with hope, you would fan that hope into flame. If they are lacking hope, Father, that you would remind them that you have got a plan, an acacia tree kind of strength that you want to form in them and through them. And God, these next few moments, I ask that you would speak that hope into them and you would grow in each one of us. Incredible. Beautiful. Thanks.